You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Everybody, episode 182 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. <laughs> uh, it's a hot one. Uh, the summer is back to normal. We had a hurricane scare, missed us, uh, Hit Boston for anyone aware of the old New York Boston uh, rivalry. They can suck it. Nah, kidding. Uh, this was a relatively weak one, so I can joke. Uh, but yeah, besides that, life returning to normal here, with the exception, of course, of the global pandemic that we're all dealing with. But let's forget about that. Let's let's just live in our little Besiktas bubble here and let's talk football. Now the season is underway. Always exciting to talk football. Uh, match day number two for us this week saw us playing against none other than Gaziantep Gazişehir, the eastern Turkish side uh, who has surprised many, you know. Um, I guess briefly, let's talk a little bit about uh, them. They were promoted in 2019 uh, for the 2019-2020 season. Uh, they have exceeded expectations thus far. They've, they've maintained a mid-table showing. They've managed to bring in some interesting signings, uh, some, some talent that one might not expect, uh, aside from Eastern Turkey, Eastern Anatolia, to, to really be capable of getting. So, you know, credit to them, for sure. Uh, last season they had, um... Kevin Mirayas, which was pretty weird, seeing him not, you know, uh, being one of those overpaid guys on one of the big four, but rather playing for Gaziantep. I guess he's a little old, but nonetheless. Um, let's talk about what they've been up to this season. Uh, and of course, I've been, um, you know, doing some previews of, of these things a little bit. So I talked about Gaziantep in the, in the last episode, so I don't want to overdo it. Uh, I mentioned that they lost to Fatikara Gumruk uh, in their last match, but they had a red card, and you know they they also lost uh, their best attacking player in the way of uh, Sagal, Angelo Sagal, who um, I think they picked up from Denizli in the offseason actually. But um, so he was out because of his red card in that previous match against Fatikara Gumruk. Of course, we're going to be playing Fatikara Gumruk in our next match, so. Could be of note, but um, yeah, interesting side. So they lost their first match, but kind of admirably, 3-2, despite being a man down. They would feature against us, Gunai Guvench, where I mentioned, I guess, you know what, I'm not going to do too much of this. I talked about this last week. They play with three back, but then two sort of wing backs. Uh, I mean, they have a very, like, basically two defensive lines, as as Khan will 
attest to in his cons corner later on. Stay tuned for that. Um, but so yeah, um, of note, perhaps we could talk about uh, Hamza Mendin, uh, another new player for them who, who was flashy, certainly. Uh, Recep Niaz, I talked about him in the um, Fudi Ala Turka episode that, that featured sort of leading into the match day. Uh, for anyone who wants to check that out, I was on there with, uh, the, with those guys having a fun chat about the Super League in general. Um, but so yeah, Recep Niaz, a former Turkish Messi, featuring now as the number 10 for Gaziantep Gazişehir. Uh, but so yeah, let's talk about. I mean, that's it. That, that's 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 all there is to say about Gaziantep. Except I will make one note. Since that 2019-2020 debut season, it's very much worth noting that we've you know obviously featured in Gaziantep twice for two away matches in the two seasons since, and lost both of them. We had. Um, so that's foreboding, perhaps. Which which is to say that anytime you're visiting a side like this. In Eastern Anatolia, it's a big trip far away. Uh, you know, you, you've got culture shock, perhaps. You know, sort of psychological factors like that for for some of the bigger names and the the, the guys coming in from Europe. Who, you know, it, it's probably interesting to see it's a place like that relative to the bustling metropolis of Istanbul. Just to see the the depth of of diversity of of, of the Turkish experience, right? Uh, but so yeah, you know, I mean, it's a formidable home side, especially against us. Anyhow, uh, we've never in our history, <laughs> uh, and we, again, we've only played them twice. And it's a fairly new team, historically speaking, having replaced the historical Gaziantep side, Gaziantep Spor. Uh, but so yeah, you know, just of note, worth noting. Uh, but so yeah, let's talk about us. Our our starting lineup would feature Ersin Destanolu on the in the goal again. Could be worth noting, I suppose, given that we have Mertgunok now. Domagos Vida and Wellington would feature on the back line with Fabrice and Sakala on the left side. And Valentin Rosier. Boy, spoiler alert. I mean, it's not really news, but it's crazy to think that could be one of the... I mean, I hope it's not the last time I, I say that, you know? Uh, I hope Fabrice and Sakala is okay. And he'll feature again. I hope it wasn't so bad of an injury or anything like that. Or, you know, that there's no underlying conditions. But we'll get to that later. Huge spoiler there, but couldn't help but note that... Anyway, so Fabrice Nzagla and Valentin Rosier on, on the, the wings of our defense. Joseph de Souza on the back line of our midfield with Atiba and Sali Uchan ahead of him. Rashid Gazal and Kevin, Georges Kevin and Kudu on the wings of our attack. And then Kenan Karaman again featuring up front as our lone striker. Um, whether or not that's his ideal position, you know, that's another question. He's certainly an effective, influential player, though um, as a as a lone striker, he clearly has certain uh, incapacities as well, which you know, if the rest of the team isn't scoring, will be, you know, highlighted or or even. Um, exploited by uh, an opposition so be that as it may that was the lineup um, and so yeah the, the huge sort of the elephant in the corner of the room is um, a huge injury that would be for upcoming but so let's pretend like we don't know that's happening 
Um, the first half was lively, although a bit of a snooze fest, if we're going to be honest. Especially if you're looking for you know interesting attacking opportunities. The first real opportunity would go to Gaziantep, and this is perhaps the best opportunity of the first half. Um, that Hamza Mendil character I mentioned, with an A-plus dribble around Valentin Rosier, who I think was caught off guard by the brilliance of the of the technique shown on display there, and get around him uh, and get the ball off before Joseph de Souza could get to it. So some nifty passing and delivery. And the ball looks like it's a perfect cross, but it would be Domagoj Vida who intercepts and cuts off the uh, the chance for, for them there. And Ersin was, I think, positioned well too, so... Well, they responded well at the, the last moment, but yeah, certainly some, some activity from Mendil there for, for Gaziantep and, and a, a bit of a scare early on. But just two minutes later, sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, Rashid Ghazal would lay on Valentin Rosier well, who would uh, find Kenan Karaman nicely, who would then backheel the ball to Rashid Ghazal perfectly. Um, Rashid Ghazal running in towards the goal, he would send in a ball with his off foot. Um, actually, no, it might have been his correct foot on, on uh, whatever. It's not so fresh, it's been a couple days. Um, but yeah, the, the shot was decent. It would force a, a diving save from Gunai Guvench, but he would make the save. And that would be it for the first half. A lot of back and forth, some half chances, you know, um, long balls, sort of handled well by Ersin and stuff like that. But nothing really uh, sort of exciting going on in that first half. The only real excitement perhaps in the first half was a bunch of cards. There was a yellow card for Hamza Mendil in the fourth minute, a yellow card for Fabrice Nsakala in the twelfth minute, uh, an early sub in the 32nd minute. Apologies for that siren. Hopefully, I'll just be able to talk through it. Uh, but yeah, 32nd minute, Kanan Uzer would come in for uh, Nuhat Diko, who was lively for them, um, but got injured, I think, straining his hamstring. It didn't look serious. Aline Toshka would get a yellow card for them in the 45th minute, as well as Doma Gojvida in a nasty encounter. Um, but that would be it, besides the, the, the two highlights I mentioned. Uh, other than that, not a particularly exciting, um, you know, half, to be 100% honest. Um, but yeah, going into the second half, things would change. Kyle Aaron would enter the match for George Kevin and Kudu uh, at the half, and that would signal a sort of change. Uh, interestingly, and perhaps I'm looking at this with rose-tinted glasses, but, you know, Fabrice and Sakala would be... Very effective on the counter in this early go in the early goings of the second half, uh, and and effective with Kyle Aaron being more you know attacking focused perhaps. Um, but so uh, first in the 49th minute, Fabrice Nsakala with an A plus dribble uh, on on his defender, nutmegging him, and then a lovely ball where he just lay it on nicely for Sally Uchan to run onto just around the defender, just out of his defender's reach, but perfectly uh, for for Sally to run onto, who would, you know, slightly negative ball back to Rashid Gazal rather than going for it or um, looking for that final ball in the in the box. Not maybe the, maybe the chance wasn't there in his defense. You know, I, I didn't really analyze it that carefully, but luckily, of course, Rashid Gazal being the ace that he is would just send down an inch-perfect cross to Kyle Laren. However, 
Kyler and bringing it down. Sort of a wonky touch initially. Took a big bounce. Second touch was in the air. Light and soft. Gunagovic was running onto it. So there's a chance for something perhaps, but um, definitely a tough position for Kyler and to do anything with um, after the poor first touch. And so it was a sort of soft touch into Gunagovic's hands. And that would be uh, that would be it for that chance. But still, a signal of intent in the 69th minute, unfortunately. And this would be the next, you know, quote-unquote highlight. And I guess what's what's interesting is in the 68th minute, you know, leading into this, and the whistle that was blown for this reason is what brought these guys in. But so Alex Teixeira came in for Atiba Hutchinson, Gokan Tore for Rashid Ghazal, and Mishi Batshuayi for Kenan Karaman. And really quickly, so, you know, this is supposed to be the signal of a bright... You know, things to come. We're gonna we're signaling our intent. We're going on the attack. We're bringing in our new guys. Excitement incoming. Um, uh, I just like little asterisk on this. Um, Khan, uh, our friend Khan Bayazid, Razarian over there, has compiled two interviews for our getting information for us on Mishi Batshuayi and. Alex Teixeira, uh, which will be featuring in an upcoming midweek episode, perhaps this upcoming week. Um, you know, all things depending on how how it's all arranged, how how fast I get the files and all that. But um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so this was supposed to be the beginning of our new era, and and we're showing our attacking intent, and hopefully these guys can put together a little little magic and, and and put this game away for us it's been a struggle but we're, we're showing some intent and sure enough um, things are sidetracked 69th minute just a minute later after these guys enter um, Furkan Soyal would enter the match for Alexander Merkel and in that sorry so that wasn't the same whistle blown it was the next whistle blown it was that one and in that one it turns out Fabrice Sakala is down uh, nobody can really tell what the deal is. He's just, you know, it looks like maybe he's crashing down. To, he's got like a ankle or pulled hammy or something. You know, we ho we're hoping. Uh, but but Nejip, just amazingly astute, to be honest, like darts out onto the pitch, um, forces Fabrice Encycla onto his side, which it turns out may have saved his life. So Captain uh, Nejip. Uh, nobody can say enough thanks to him <laughs> for that. But, yeah, he ran out, put Fabrice and Sakala on his side, and Fabrice and Sakala writhed in, in some sort of obvious pain. Um, it looked like he was struggling for, for breath or whatever, right? Um, it's obviously going to be something heart-related or... <coughs> um, you know, perhaps he was so severely dehydrated that he'd swallowed his tongue severely or something. Whatever it was, it was quite serious. He lost his breath. He couldn't breathe. Uh, but he regained that at some point after being carted off the field. And that was announced. And then later it was announced, and so there's some, some mystery involved in all this, that he'd regained consciousness. And, and so B in USA reported it like that, and a couple of Twitter profiles did you know um but then like the official being you know in turkey announced simply that he was conscious meaning maybe he hadn't regained it but was still conscious or something like that so 
you know, there's still some mystery regarding how serious it was and how, how perhaps close to the brink of, um, you know, something really scary and serious being, you know, happening there. How close we were to that. But, uh, certainly it was, it was absolutely frightening. I, you know, I consider myself a pretty tough guy, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a dude, you know, I don't know. My, my, my daughter always, she asked me, how come you never cry, you know, which I thought was an interesting question. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm just, this is all a prelude to say, I'm a macho, no, I mean, I'm not, perhaps I'm not a macho, I don't know, whatever macho is, but whatever. Point being, I was, I was, I was in tears, you know, I was, I was really shook by this, and I can only imagine how his friends, co-workers, right, the guys who see him on a daily basis and work with him and, and know him intimately, how they felt about it all. But, uh, you know, I was out of it at that point, and I missed a lot of the action that was sort of, that sort of preceded it, so obviously, you know, Ridvan Gilmaz came in, supposedly he played quite poorly. Um, Halil Pelivan came in for Hamza Mendil, Torgir Berborven came, came on for Recep Niaz, and Doan Erdogan came on for Joao Figueiredo. So all these guys came in sort of at the, at the end of the injury timeout. So Gaziantep came on with a lot of energy out, out of this little break, whereas obviously Besiktas was incredibly deflated. Um, like I said, I, I hardly paid attention to maybe the first five or so minutes of, of action after this, and uh, I can only imagine how the how the how Besiktas players and you know, everyone involved, coaching staff, everyone, you know, reacted to this. It, it must have been incredibly hard. But you know, they carried on for some reason, and I don't know necessarily what the logic was for it. If they asked. You know, Sergei Yeltsin, if he wanted to, and if he said, let's do it, or, you know, I don't, I don't know what the deal was, but they they, they, ran, they carried on with the match. Um, the first real action, so, you know, things started up again in the 77th minute, so there was a 10-minute break, 67th, 77th minute. And the first real action came almost 10 minutes later, 9 minutes later, in the 86th minute, Domagos Vida. Um, so a bit of action for, for Gaziantep in our box. And with it culminating in Domagoj Vida making a fantastic diving, sliding save, interception, um, kicking it out for a, a corner. Uh, in the 90th minute, it was announced that there were 10 more minutes of extra time, which, you know, no surprises. 92nd minute, uh, Furkan Soyop, who had entered the match in the 69th for Alexander Merkel, um, came in for uh, Kitsuyu, or sorry, he, had a, he laid on the ball for Kitsuyu, who crossed the ball in perfectly and set up a wide open chance that was just skewed wide miraculously by our, by, on our part, I suppose. Um, but so, still nil-nil. Uh, and finally, the very last chance of the match, worth noting, 98th minute, again, Furkan. Uh, this time he would get the shot and it would be a nice one, but Ersin Destanolu with just a huge save. Um, diving sprawled out, you know, like couldn't catch it because it was powerful and, and, you know, again, forced to dive. I mean, just fantastic save by Ersin that saved the match for us, no less. Saved us a point in a match that I think we'll be very happy to get a point from if we're going to be 100% honest. Um, just a nightmare given Fabrice Nsakala, and I think all we, were, we care about is that Fabrice Nsakala is okay. He's alive. 
Um, whether or not he can play again remains a mystery, supposedly. Um, ideally, it was just extreme. I mean, you hate to sort of use terms like that in this in this context, but ideally, it was just extreme dehydration, and he swallowed his tongue to such an extent that he like lost his breath for long enough that he lost consciousness and all that. And, but you know, that's obviously easily remedied, and he can play still. Um, maybe even not that far in the distant future, but uh, perhaps the more likely outcome scenario is that it was some something related to the heart. I don't know if it's more likely. Perhaps that's a dire forecast there. I don't know. Um, I, I, let's just hope for the best, obviously, but obviously if it's something heart-related, it, it could be a very long time before he plays again, if, if he does, sadly. Uh, which would be the worst possible scenario, obviously. Um, you know, certainly that would be the worst scenario. Anyway, let's briefly, I suppose, talk about stats just to, to round this whole thing out. Um, Besiktas, perhaps surprisingly, honestly, had 60% of the ball in this match. A clean 60%. Seven shots to their 10, so they had more shots, but we had three on target to their one. So they were not particularly effective, and um, their one on target was quite dangerous. But Ersin did very well with it. Um, and Gunai Gubench also worth, worth mentioning had a fantastic match um, on the other side with three saves of his own. Um, let's see. Let's talk about stats. Uh, it feels so weird even to do that. But so Besiktas completed 408 passes. There, 222. Uh, Besiktas had an 81% clip to their 66%. So we were much better as far as being uh, aggressive defensively, intercepting balls, preventing you know them from playing any sort of a match. Although, to be fair, I think they were playing a much more defensive match, playing for that counter. So um, part of that was by design on their part. We conceded 10 fouls. They conceded 9. They had 5 corners to our 2. We were offside three times to their two, so, you know, pretty back and forth with perhaps the edge going to them in terms of, you know, real legit chances. They had five shots off target to our two, you know, but we had three on target to their one, so, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't really want to go too deep into any of it just because of how dark the whole day was for everyone involved, but basically the highest rated player in the match was Wellington. Talk about his stats and, and why he's been dubbed that. He had an 82% success rate of passing the ball with 59 accurate passes, so he was quite active in that regard too. 20 in the opposition half, so pretty aggressive even. Um, he had nine long balls and five of them were accurate, so you know 90 touches, ever present. He won 12 duels and only lost four. And again, given that we didn't concede any goals, the, the four he lost were obviously not particularly responsible for any real danger. Um, their one real chance came from our left side after uh, Ridvan had been subbed on. I think many will hold him responsible for a, a lot of their late, you know, the sweat that we, we had on our brow, but whatever. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a way to make your debut in those circumstances. And that goes for all the guys who are making their debut, not just... Rirvan making his season debut, but but all the new guys too. I think it was all overshadowed by this. Anyway, uh, Wellington was 
successful on three out of four tackles. Um, won six aerial duels and only lost three. So, you know, four interceptions, six recoveries. Just, you know, again, ever-present. <clears throat> the next highest-rated player was Gunai Guvench. So, you know, credit to the work he did. Three saves, two of them diving saves. And I mentioned the Ensacola one. I don't know what the other diving save was in retrospect. Anyway, then you have Domingos Vida, Valentin Rosier, Papi Gilo Boji, Kyle Larrick, very highly rated despite coming in as a sub. I mean, granted, he played the entire half, but let's see why they, they, they do that. Oh, he had 17 accurate passes at an 89% rate, um, and three shots, two of them on target. So I guess he was responsible for, a dive, for forcing a diving save. I don't even recall it. Um, maybe it was like a light dive, you know, one of those dramatic ones. Uh, he was one for one on long balls. He had a key pass. Huh. Interesting. 36 touches. He won five duels out of seven. Two clearances even on the back line. Wow. Okay. Five recoveries. Alright, fair enough, fair enough. One for one on aerial duels. Alright, so he was very effective. I mean, obviously he lacked that final touch in the technique. I would never give him man of the match by any stretch. Um, anyway, a number of players were really well rated in this match, uh, but all of them sort of defensive or sort of central midfielder type. Um, with the exception of Kyle Lahren. Stelios Kitsu next, Jefferson next, Ertuğrul Ersoy, the, the, their defender. And then Ersin Destanoglu, but all of them rated highly, um, with Fabrice Nsakula the kind of highest rated in the next tier, um, you know, followed by Joseph de Souza, Hamza Mendy, and Sally Uchan. And then it goes downhill from there, basically. But yeah, um, really solid defending, conservative playing all around, obviously, just especially with the energy of the match taken out um, in the 67th minute or whatever, 69th minute when Nzakula went down. Um, but so yeah, you know, nothing really exciting. I'm giving my man of the match to Ersin Destanolo actually, because I thought he was really solid. That one giant save obviously um, being the moment that really saved the match for us, especially given that Gaziantep really were sort of the dominant side later on in the match and showed more willingness and desire to score. Uh, it was Ersin on that and that back line really that, that held firm, bent but didn't break. Uh, got really lucky obviously on that one huge glaring chance that they missed but you know with the exception of that it was just really solid defending and, and Ersin um, holding the ball well, controlling crosses and not really like allowing chances to be created by any mistakes. And that's all you can ask for in a game like this. Um, and this could be a valuable point, all things considered. Uh, certainly, had we lost it, I don't think we'd even be that upset. We wouldn't really have held anyone, held it against anyone because of how deflated the whole side was. But So that's that. I'm giving my man of the match to Erson. Um, you know, really keyed the back line. He looks much more confident now. Uh, much more stable. You love to see that in year two for the kid. He's still so young. So yeah, you know, shouts to him, and uh, you know, it's a point. What can I say? I guess let's briefly mention, you know, what 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 else happened in the league. 
Um, on top of the table is Altai, who won yet again, and again in somewhat convincing fashion, four to one against Alanya Spor. Tribe Zone is is in second with uh, one goal less, or no, allowing one more goal, one more goal rather. Uh, they beat Sivas two to one after losing to Roma, two to one or one to two. Um, but so yeah, that five to one result or one to five, I guess, against Yanni Malacia is still giving them that second place shout. But still, two to one against Sivas, a very nice result for them, certainly. Galatasaray in third, also. Two wins out of two. Um, just two to one win against Hatay. Squeaking it out in the end. Uh, looked bad for them for a moment. Fener also, it did not look so good for them until really late. They may have been lucky with a with a, a handball not being called against them and then the goal being scored on the ensuing counter, which theoretically could have been canceled and, and a penalty could have been given to Antalya, which would have given them the chance to level it 1-1. But instead, they, they win it 2-0. And um, they'll probably feel good about beating Antalya 2-0. The Iron Curtain, as it as as many will recall, should be a solid defensive side, given their ethos. Uh, then you have Konyaspor, who's also 2-for-2, two two, interestingly, having beaten Sivas 0-1 on the road in, in match day one. And then uh, Bashakshi here 2-1 this, this last match day. So... Bitki, Chikaleshi uh, up front, Hadzia Metovic, you know, Guillerme over there, uh, Skubic. They've got an interesting side, Sehic, you know, it's a very um, Balkan slash Slavic side over here, you know, but uh, interesting that they've, they've, they're two for two early on in fifth place, and then there's Besiktas in sixth place. Uh, level with Kasim Pasha and Fatih Karagumruk with four points. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I said I needed... Uh, I want seven points from these first three matches, which means we have to win this next match against Fatih Karagumruk. Uh, let's talk about Fatih Karagumruk a little bit. Um, but, you know, I said realistically five points, which would mean at least a draw against Fatih Karagumruk. You know, just given all the players settling, all the guys that we don't yet have, but so, very briefly, we should talk about Fatih Karagumruk. They, they won their first match against Gaziantep 3-2. I've already talked about it a lot. Uh, talking about Gaziantep, you know, they had a, a red card. So, they were perhaps a little lucky to get that result. And that shows, because in week two, they played Rize, who we are probably all familiar with, given we managed to beat them 3-0. But um, Fatih Karagumruk could not manage to beat Rize on the road in their defense. But nil to nil. Apparently Gokhan Akan played very well for Rize score, so that suggests Fatih Karagumruk put a little pressure on them. Um, Fatih Karagumruk's side against Rize featured Emiliano Viviano, of course, on the, in, the, in the goal, Benasia and Zukanovic on the back line, Hidenstad and Balkovic, Lukas Bilia and Tatli in the midfield. Uh, Efe Tatli, that is. And then uh, Erhun Oztumer, who's English apparently, Ahmed Musa, Kerim Fry on the left wing, and Alexander Pesic, a Serbian striker up front. So they have a kind of interesting new side, lots of new pieces themselves. So, you know, the, the, the disadvantage we have of, of having a lot of new guys settle in, they theoretically have as well. So it shouldn't be a, you know, should 
couldn't by, by any stretch be a difficult match in theory. Um, Francesco Farioli is their coach, of course. Young Italian, kind of interesting story over there. But so you know, I, I don't know. It's gonna be there. There's some something of a wild card that this team. You know, they're they're new to the Super League. They turned a lot of heads last year, and then didn't. You know, they kind of sank. For a moment, I was calling them the Kings of Istanbul, and then that became a kind of long-running joke on the podcast. I'm leaving them alone this year because honestly, it's a fairly interesting project, and it's not something worth mocking. Uh, I like. You know, I like these kinds of stories, and and they're making interesting moves generally, not typical dumb, past it type of transfers. But you know, we'll we'll see how it all works out for them. Obviously, I hope we can beat them. Uh, we have a bunch of new guys. We'll now have a whole week of training under their belt, uh, and you know, a little bit of an appetite having not done so well in their debuts. Uh, again, all things considered, I don't think anyone will hold it against them. Um, yeah, I guess real briefly I'll talk about some some talk on the transfer front. Um, not a lot, obviously. You know, we're still looking for a central defender and a central midfielder in theory. Um, I many would probably make the argument that we don't necessarily need them at this point, but. Um, you know, I mean, perhaps one could make the argument that we need a bit of depth or something like that. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree as far as the central defender goes. Uh, sorry, as the central midfielder goes. But as far as the central defender goes, I do think there's some logic to it. Now, I guess briefly, let's talk about the, the, the central defender position. Because that's the one where I think we really do have a need. Supposedly, we've zeroed in on Khan Ihan, <coughs> which would be a, <coughs> excuse me, a coup, honestly. It would be a fantastic move for us, a Turk, which uh, would help us as far as this whole 8 plus 3 nonsense and all the sort of draconian foreigner stuff that they're going to be imposing going forward. So yeah, Khan Ihan would be fantastic. Um, the the Densfield character that we were linked with previously, Dutch defender, has gone to Trabzonspor. Um, so another interesting move by them, but yeah, so that's obviously not happening for us, which means it's pretty much just Khan Ihan at this point. There hasn't hasn't been a lot of other news. Godin has completely died out. So um, <clears throat> you know, we'll see. We'll see what that amounts to. You know, I'm not I, I'm not holding my breath. I guess we could say. Now, central midfielder is where things get, you could say, a little bit more interesting. Um, Firstly, I don't know if it's, it seems to be all but confirmed that John Bozdoan from Schalke, I believe. Um, I don't know exactly if that's correct. John Bozdoan is a central midfielder, however. Um, yeah, he is, a, he is a Schalke product. He's 20. Um, you know, could be an interesting, you know, obviously a Turk. That's helpful. Uh, a central midfielder. He's a German Turk. He's featured for German youth sides. You know, again, low risk, potential high reward. Why not? I like it. Let's let's bring all these kinds of guys in, especially if it's cheap. Uh, but on top of that, there's also talk of Jedson Fernandes, which would, for me, be... I mean, look, 
nobody would ever argue that a talent like that would be unwelcome on any side in the world. <laughs> um, well, not in the world. Okay, certainly, I guess, at our level. Um, but given, A, that we have a number of guys on our team already in the center of our midfield competing for positions in the way of Atiba, Sali Uchan, Alex Teixeira, still Adem Ljajic, although there's talks of perhaps him going to Italy, you know, and, and he's not been included in sides and all that, so it's, it's pretty much confirmed he's probably not going to be playing a lot. But then, you know, Ozan Ozyakup is still there. So we have four guys, not to mention Kartal, Taida, Yilmaz, right? Um, we have a number of guys competing for two positions there. Um, yeah, for me, that's enough. I don't think we need to add more to that. Now you add John Bozdoan, right? Um, so, you know, I don't know. For me, Jetson feels completely unnecessary, especially given the fact that you know it's going to open up this can of worms with Galatasaray where they're going to start. I mean, granted, they've already tried poaching our players, and that might be why we're doing this, to, to sort of get them back. But I don't like this eye for an eye nonsense and I think um, you know why start this kind of like 10 year beef you know or whatever it's going to amount to um, over a player that really ultimately we don't really need all that much obviously it would be fantastic but you know given the 8 plus 3 rule and how we've already struggled to, to play all the foreigners that we have at the same time because you have to have 3 Turks on the field at all time you know I don't know it's going to be pretty interesting, obviously, for us all to figure out how this is going to work. But So for, for, for me, at Jedstone, I, I say no. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it. Cutting myself off here. I've gone on way too long. Obviously, you know, it was a very emotional match with the whole Fabrice and Sakala thing. And, and just tough, tough, tough stuff. Um, in that regard, I already mentioned that Umut Merash is supposedly a done deal. Um, and he will be the, the Fabrice and Sakala replacement, in theory, right? Um, for however long that's necessary, maybe indefinitely. Um, you know, crossing our fingers for Fabrice. Um, but obviously, Umut Merash, you know, not, not not the best player in the world. I mean, Khan. I'll, you know what? I'm gonna hand this off to Khan because he talks about Umut, and I and I pretty much I'm just gonna say exactly what he thinks. So, without further ado. Hashtag Khan's Corner, folks. So we're two weeks into the Super League season and uh, we've already got our first loss of points, but I think many will sort of choose to discard this loss of points given the circumstances of the game. During the first half, um, there was a lack of creativity, a lack of ability to penetrate Gaziantep's Formidable double uh, double defensive line. They defended really well, uh, Gaziantep did, um, but you could clearly see that uh, Erol Bulut had uh, set one uh, task in mind for his team and that was try and uh, shut out the opposition. Um, they didn't even pose much of a threat on the counter. It wasn't until the final third of the game where they had two uh, good opportunities to score and um, I don't know how serious we can really take that given what happened in the 70th minute 
uh, during halftime so again immediately made some changes put on uh, Cal Laren on the left and uh, that immediately led to some more pressure from Besiktas and a lot of half chances uh, whereas we were kind of nowhere in the first half I felt like there was very little threat from either side but mainly from us since we controlled the game uh, in the second half I did have the feeling that that goal was was coming that the goal was loading um, and when Sagan made his uh, substitutions to put Bacuay and uh, Alice Teixeira on, uh, you kind of had the feeling of, well, this goal is going to be inevitable, right? But uh, then the unfortunate thing happened with uh, Nsakala in the 70th minute, where he uh, fell to his knees and um, clear and had a, had a heart spasm or something along those lines and had to be subbed off and uh, had to be taken to the hospital. And you could see that after a little bit of a break there, and uh, when the, the referee went to, to talk to both coaches, to Errol Blut and Sergen Yalcin, to continue the game, you could really notice uh, that Besiktas was rattled. Um, the team couldn't string two passes together anymore after what happened. And uh, the, the match shifted. Uh, Gaziantep suddenly became more dangerous, uh, missed an open goal, and then uh, also had Ersin make an, a very important save in the final minutes. Um, whereas before that I felt like Gaziantep was uh, completely ineffective offensively uh, for the first 70 minutes of the game. Uh, I really do think that uh, the, the whole situation with Ensakala completely rattled the team because it's not that the football was great before, but it was a lot better than that. Like just being completely incom incompetent to, to string two passes together, it, it, you could see that the team was clearly shaken and rattled, and, and that football was lasting on their mind. And, and you can't really blame them. I personally think that the game should have been stopped. The problem with that is, of course, what do you do then? Do you continue the match the day after? Or you know, I understand that they decided to continue the game. Uh, it's kind of similar to what happened in in the Euros, where. Um, Denmark just decided to continue the game even though they didn't want to play but you know it was a case of you know continue or yeah the, the, the other options weren't any weren't much better fortunately uh, Nsakala is, in, is doing well now um, although his future as a footballer is, is still kind of in question um, that's also why Bishes are looking at alternatives right now for the left back position Umut Merash uh, supposedly already agreed terms um, he's of course playing in the France Ligue 2 right now um, he's also Turkish international uh, not not an amazing player in my book but you know capable enough uh, Rilvan came on didn't look very good when he came on instead of Ensakala but again you know how much can you really judge that performance given what happened uh, it's unfortunate another clean sheet though for Exin and uh, he had to make a good save to, to earn that uh, nil nil away at Gaziantep. I mean, last two years I think we lost our game there, so it's not the, it's not no man overboard. Um, now it's just down to uh, getting the three points against Karagumruk at home, and then going into the international break. And you can see that the team isn't uh, isn't ready yet. You could also see that that Teixeira and Bachuai still need time uh, to acclimate to the team. But uh, yeah, this this is just the second game of the season. It's unfortunate to drop two points. But, you know, these things happen, and uh, at the end of the day, I think it's good that we didn't lose, especially given uh, the, the moral blow to the team with uh, Nsakala's uh, issue. Yeah, thank you very much.
Senor Bayazit. Uh, fantastic, as always. Stay tuned for more from Khan, obviously, vis-a-vis the Khan's Corner. But also, he's got some exciting interviews uh, regarding our incoming, or not incoming, our, our already arrived transfers, um, Alex Teixeira and Mishi Bachuai in our yearly specials where we interview experts in the field who know more about these guys and who can kind of enlighten us as far as what we might expect from them. But so yeah, that is all, folks. Follow us on the Twitter, as per usual, um, at Eagles underscore podcast. Myself, at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. This dude, Khan, over here, at Razarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Follow us on Twitter, Black Eagles podcast, one word. Um, and yeah, I would be remiss, of course, not to mention... Let's go, Washington! Woo! You're going down! I hope. <laughs> Crash your fingers, He's out! Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.